listener. So the, there's a Facebook group for Tesla. If you come up with any issues or anything, you just post it there and there's like thousands of people helping you, right? And that group is actually very active. The EV community is like no other and there's an EV community or club out there pretty much for everyone. So where do you find them and more importantly, what are they talking about? Yeah, I actually am part of an EV community. We're always talking about things like what the government's up to, home charges, technology, pretty much everything you can think of. It's really good. What is the bee in the bonnet of EV drivers? What are they excited about? Who do they trust for advice? What are they hungry to learn more about? And what do you care about when it comes to your EV? Well, that's what we'll be talking about today on this episode of What's Under the Bonnet. Hello, everybody. Greg Rustin, Nadine Armstrong with you. Welcome to another edition of What's Under the Bonnet. EV drivers. You know what? They're not your typical drivers, are they? I'm not saying that in a a disparaging way. I'd argue that EV drivers are enthusiasts in every sense of the word because making the choice to switch to an EV, especially here in Australia where the uptake is still a little on the slow side, it's an informed, deliberate decision and it's not all about performance because here's the thing. Before most EV drivers actually make a purchase, they're researching programs like this, social media and so on. They're looking into things like battery tech, energy consumption, battery replacements, charging availability. And if you're like our first guest, even council policy and infrastructure too. That's right, Rusty. Sarah Aubrey is the admin of the Electric Vehicles for Australia Facebook community. It's a page where drivers share advice, they review their vehicles and they discuss big matters like fuel efficiency standards, government policy and charging infrastructure. From these conversations, Sarah's actually started a discussion with her local council about streetside charging, and we're going to talk to her about that, plus get the inside scoop on what else you guys are all talking about. What do we want? Streetside charging. When do we want it? it? Now. Now, Uh, now car clubs are not a new thing. You could look at the world's first car club, for example, the Automobile Club de France, formed Mm. in 1895 in uh, in Paris. And, And when EVs came onto the scene, we saw some new clubs, EV clubs across the world being formed too. Arguably the world's first EV club was the Tesla Owners Club. So you'll find a club, part of uh, Tesla's club program. Very easily, you can go and search for those. And we're going to speak to one of its newest members today, Ryan Cohen. You might actually know him from his YouTube channel, aptly named Ryan's Model Y. And he's made quite a little community around his Tesla adventure. So we're going to get him on for a chat. He's going to come into the studio about that. And what he's gotten out of being in the Tesla community as a member, is it worth it? And if you're not a Tesla driver, is kind of social media the best place to find your tribe. Tribe is such a great description. We see this on the Car Sales YouTube channel as well, of course, which you should all be subscribed to. But there's a really passionate audience there. They're vocal and they're curious. It's a really powerful way to educate and inform. And as we mentioned, our first guest, Sarah Aubrey, is all about that. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So let's get straight into it. You became the admin for the Electric Vehicles for Australia Facebook page kind of by accident, didn't you? So tell us about that. (laughs) Look, I absolutely did by accident. So I joined the group about four years ago as a member and about three years ago, the admin admins sort of put out a call for anyone who wants to come on board as a moderator or an admin. And I was like, oh, I manage a local group. I'll I'll put my hand up. And he brought me on and then he left. 
<laughs> Solid move. I was just left uh, holding the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. Sarah, you weren't randomly just looking to join a Facebook group and work in an admin capacity. I mean, clearly you must have a love for EVs. Where did the interest start? My friend Dean has a Tesla Model S, which is about eight and a half years old. And when he took me for a ride in that car and nearly lost my lunch, um, I was like, this is the future. This is the most amazing car I have ever been in in my life. So, yeah, ever since then I've sort of had an interest in them. Both of us have noticed, both Naz and I have noticed, (laughs) the amount of traffic and activity on the page. It's Look, it's a very – do you know what? In the last month, I looked this up, people actually looking at the group – in just the last month alone, is up 640%. Wow. Which is well over 200,000 people have been looking at the group. And we've had 1,500 people join in the last 10 days. I, I don't know what's happening, but something is afoot. So, Sarah, you don't actually own an EV right now. So do you think that gives you a unique perspective about sort of watching over the page? Are you a little bit removed from some of it? You know, what are some of the people on the page, you know, they're also prospective buyers as well. So not everyone on there owns an EV. You've just outed me. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) If we didn't do it, someone else would. Listen, I do own an electric vehicle. It's just an e-bike. And I count that very much as a very important, uh, you know, tool. Look, I actually did a very unscientific poll the other day uh, because I knew I was coming on here and I asked, do you own an EV? No. Yes. Do you plan to buy one? That kind of thing. So I worked out about two thirds of those 20, nearly 21,000 members own an EV and about a third don't, but they plan to buy one. And then we had a cheeky 1% who said, no, I never will. Mm -hmm. But that could be even people who don't even own a car, but they're just interested. So, To be fair to you, you have been trialling an MG though, haven't you? Tell us about that. The car sales car of the year, by the way, people. I have. (laughs) Well, MG Sydney very, very kindly have lent me an EV for a month. And I'm on the local Inner West Council Local Democracy Transport Group. I joined that group because I really wanted to advocate for EVs in my local community. And 67% of households in the Inner West can't charge at home, which is huge. Mm. There would be areas of Melbourne, which would be similar. These are all areas that were designed before the car was invented. So we have a real problem here. No one in that group owns an EV, including me, but I know a lot about it. And I just really wanted to come back with some experience and say, look, over this particularly Christmas period when it's busy, what's it like? I did my first DC charge yesterday. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) But I think, you know, as you said, you've got over 20,000 members and it keeps growing. So what are some of the hottest topics on that page right now? That's got to be a great source of you know, finding out what their concerns are, what they're excited about and stuff that you can talk to that Inner West group as well, I guess. Yes. So we talk about, I'd say we get a lot of questions about novated leases because of the fringe benefits tax exemption. We get a lot of questions about comparing vehicles. So say someone's looking at a Model Y and an Addo 3, you know, what are the big differences between it? Even questions like, can I fit three child seats across the backseat of a car? That's very, that's yeah. come up more times than you would imagine. Yep. Advice on home charges, you know, so you've got three charges in mind. Which one should I buy? What energy plan is good for EV charging? What vehicles are coming up? You know, people going on their first trip, whether they're planning on their first long trip or they're sharing data about it. And one of my favourite ones, actually, is say you know that there's a new model coming to Australia when people spot the EV testing in the wild Mm -hmm. and then they share those photos in the group and everyone gets a bit excited about it. And also pictures of people who are sharing their very first EV and, you know, with the bow on the car or even if it's a second-hand car. So that's cool. Yeah, I've noticed there's a bit of that feel-good joy. It's it's quite obvious on there as well. I've also Mm. been keen to see that 
who do they trust? Like people get on there and ask quite big questions around what should I buy and why should I buy it? They seem a very sort of interconnected network, even though, you know, they don't know each other. They're just trusting because they all have this sort of similar appreciation for EVs or the curiosity around EVs. I think there's a lot of trust there. There's also a lot of knowledge in that group. I have learned so much just, you know, I obviously I read all the posts that I have to kind of check that they're okay. But the some of those comments, there's obviously people who work in the EV industry, who are electricians, who, who and they offer this free, amazing advice and, you know, what cables to buy and just anything that you would think you might need, people share it there. And I'm, I'm, I'm in awe, actually, of the, the knowledge base. There's obviously people who've owned EVs for a very long time and they've got lots of information. The trust is kind of both ways then, isn't it? Because, it, you know, clearly it gives newcomers to the page, well, okay, all these people are contributing. There's a way that you can... Um you can glean something from that. Clearly, you would also see some funny stuff too. What kind of funny <laughs> things have come across your administrative table, so to speak? Some, well, it some depends what you mean by funny. Yarns um, or stories. Do you or mean posts. like roll your eyes funny? Or, <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed. Some of the nice stuff you see, uh, I think a guy the other day, he posted. Um, he had some pizzas and his drinks in the front of his car and they, you know, so they wouldn't roll around and that was pretty cool. Perfect storage <laughs> spot for it, which I thought was excellent. But a lady the other day, quite recently actually, she posted a picture, which I loved this. She posted this child book, you know, reading book, and it had a picture of a petrol bowser on it. And she, her name was Jennifer and she, she wrote this. She wrote, I read this book to my two-year-old daughter tonight and she pointed at this picture and said, a phone, ring, ring. And that's when I realised she's never seen us refuel a car. Oh, oh yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. But in terms of we do get a lot of trolling. Um, okay. As I said, we've had a lot of people joining the group very recently and unfortunately that means there's a big uptick in trolling. So I reckon I have knocked back about... Ooh, 200 posts of, you know, mm. cars on fire and porn posts and all sorts of things. And the funniest thing is because we have participation approval on, the only person that sees that is me. Okay. So you don't get mm. to have your little moment of posting that on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And then now I can block you because you tried to post in the group. So bye-bye. <laughs> Something that I know is very dear to your heart and, and that you spend a lot of time on, there's a lot of discussion around where to find charges, if we need superchargers, how do we plan a road trip around charging stations. It's a, it's a topic that comes up every time we talk about this infrastructure. Tell us a little more about, you touched on it before, about sort of, you know, the inner west group that you're on. Tell us a little bit about that and the pursuits around curbside charging. Yes. So the reason I don't own an electric car, I had a Model 3 on order. I ordered it at the end of 2019 for delivery March 2020. I mean, something else happened around then <laughs> that kind of put pay to that. But the only reason we don't own an electric car is because we don't have off-street char- uh, charging. Mm. You know, we can't charge at home. To be fair, over that sort of three years since then, We've had a lot more DC charges go in. There's not many AC charges in the area. And that's something that I am very passionate about and and really advocating counsel on the issue of the inequality of people who have off-street charging and those who do not. So everyone at the petrol bowser is equal, right? We all go to the bowser, we pay the same amount of money, we're there the same amount of time, and then we go off. Whereas that does not exist in the electric charging world In the UK, for example, 40% of people can't charge at home and people are getting 12 pence overnight kilowatt hour rates, um, you know, nice cheap charging. And if you go to a public charger in the UK, you can be paying anywhere from 50p to 80p. So that is not fair. Um, And I think 
we need to have more things here like gully charging, which they have in the UK. They're doing a lot more advocacy around that because people are getting really annoyed about this, where they cut a gully into your footpath and it's got a little lid that flips down. So it's nice and flat on the footpath and it's not a charging, um, you know, a trip hazard or anything like that. And you just put your cable in there when you want to charge and then you flip it back down and then you take a cable out when you're done and then you flip it back down. So we need to see, I think, a mix of that. We can't just rely on public charges of any type, whether it be AC or DC, if we have two-thirds of people in this area who cannot charge at home. There will never be enough charges. So I'm really passionate about trying to make sure that we we really have some sort of equality. And I have solar. I want to be able to use that solar to charge my car and, you know, soak up the grid, you know, better for the grid, soak up that solar in the day, all that stuff really needs to be looked at. We've really focused on regional charging much more so, and we haven't looked at those metro areas. And I think that is, a you know, the ball has been dropped big time by quite a few councils around the country. We did tackle a little bit of this in series one with a, a concept in the Port Melbourne area, an Aussie innovation in this space. So people can go back to series one of what's under the bonnet yeah, and find out the, more the curb, about that. Um, curb charge group, it's, um, yeah, yeah exactly, it's terrific. Yeah, they work with a local council, so yeah. It is, that's a brilliant idea, but the problem is that costs so much money to put in, right? Mm. You're talking thousands and thousands. If you can't get that spot, you would be losing your mind. So I think it's finding that balance between the initial installation cost versus, you know, if you can't get the spot. The style of conversation we're having here makes me think like that the page has this almost like like a grassroots advocacy style hub about it. I mean, is that, that kind of an accurate view of it all? I think so. And I think there was a lot of talk, obviously, about the Victorian road tax being, you know, ditched and all mm. that sort of stuff. There's certainly been people advocating on us or asking people to fill in petitions or whatever. I really think the purpose of the group in the future will be, because it's a public group, you don't have to join it. If you are interested in buying an electric car, you can literally just look at that group and search for a particular model that you're interested in. All that amazing information that people are sharing is always going to be there for people to be, for the future buyers. You know, yes, it's for the people right now who own the cars, but I think there's going to be so many people interested in this subject and interested in buying an electric car. These groups, and that's why I want to keep it public, are there as a resource for those new buyers in particular. It does seem like a, a really active and engaged community. And like you say, I know that there are some trolls, but it, it's, it feels very positive. And there's a great sense of camaraderie on there. And I know that you've sort of, you know, helped to encourage that. But I think it really does work. You know, people are getting a lot out of the group. They are. And when I joined, when I sort of took over as admin, It was a bit sweary, a bit, you know, a few people having a go at each other and duplicate posts and people just sharing links and not adding any kind of opinion to it or or a quote. And I just thought as a member, there are things I would like to see. And so when I joined as admin, it was like, it was an 80-20 split gender-wise. It was 80% men, 20% women. And now it's 70-30. And to me, that is a great achievement because I really wanted to make the group much more you know, just much more welcoming to women in particular. We get lots of women joining and lots of women asking questions. I think that's important. While we're talking about this kind of whole positivity around it, the great sense of community, what do you think people get out of being involved in an online community like this? How does it help them? Well, you feel like you belong to something because probably in your life, potentially, you've got the mad uncle who thinks all electric cars are going to catch fire or, you know, in the world, it's not quite so open and and welcoming to EVs. So it's nice to come to a place where everyone else is like-minded 
I mean, you know, some people think some cars are better than others and whatever, but everyone's kind of on the same page and heading in the same direction. And there's people in the group for different reasons. People own EVs for different reasons. Some might own it for the petrol savings. Some might own it because they want to use their solar. Some might buy an electric car because of the environmental benefits. So that, or it can be all those things. So, but we all have this common goal that we would like to see everything decarbonize and, you know, have electric cars and, and you know, pollution-wise as well. There's lots of reasons why people are in the group and why they would consider or whether they own an EV. I think you touched on it right at the start there when you were speaking that this is a group that is, you know, pro-EVs. So it's very strict around, you know, this is not to get on an EV bash. This is people that are actually supportive, they want to learn and they want to help each other. So I think that's great to really have some pretty clear boundaries about what this conversation will be like and what it won't be like. Is it just as simple as them searching, you know, electric vehicles for Australia on Facebook, isn't it? It's a, it's a public page, as you said. Yep, absolutely. And if you want to join, you can join. If you just want to have a sneaky stalk, then you can do that too. <laughs> we did a little bit of that for research for this. Um, now, where, where can we find you on Instagram too? Yes, you can find me on electrify underscore this, which I've just started about my, obviously my experience with this fabulous MGZSEV and uh, yeah, see how I learnt how to use a DC charger live. <laughs> it's like, oh. We know you're in the MGZS right now. What does the future look like for you and uh, EV ownership? Well, a week, the week after I, ha- I hand back the MG, I'll be getting a Kia EV6 for a week. I don't know. My brain says I would buy something like an MG4 because that w- that's much more the size car that suits me. I've always owned, you know, small hatches. We look forward to keeping up with that journey because I suspect you'll probably test drive uh, many and varied EVs before you land on the right one. I think my EV is actually a unicorn at this point. I'm, honestly, you could, you could dedicate an entire podcast to... What will Sarah what, drive next? What I'm after in an EV. You should give us that in your very best voiceover voice. That could be your promo. <laughs> well, that's what right. will Sarah drive next? What will Sarah drive next? <laughs> there you go. That's the perfect way for us to end this. Thank you so much for coming on and having a conversation with us and for letting our listeners know if they're not already involved where they can um, they can find the Facebook page. And we wish you all the best for 2024. Can't wait to hear what you ultimately end up owning. Thank you very much. Listener Mailbox. Time for a bit of Listener Mail now. And as this episode is all about community, we've actually taken the mail from EVs for Australia's page. So this is from Peter And he writes, hi all, I'm looking for a good secondhand vehicle, but I'm at the lower end of the market. That's okay. Separate to the battery issue, what sort of overall mileage is anticipated from the mechanicals of EVs? I appreciate that maintenance is lower. So can I expect to limp around with my kind of slowly failing batteries at 600,000 kilometres like a Toyota? (laughs) That's a good question. I think we probably don't have many people that have got 600,000 kilometres behind the wheel to tell that story accurately. Even on an ice vehicle. Exactly, exactly. The, the rate at which people hand over cars. But there's probably a few hard and fast rules that rarely change when you're buying secondhand, whether it's an EV or not, I think. Uh, and I know battery health is obviously EV specific and it's something that uh, manufacturers are, are getting better at being able to uh, to read. So that is something to think about. But, you know, warranties usually will extend beyond the life of what most people are going to own their EVs for. It's one of those things that, you know, think big picture, think about the things that you would normally think about for a car. Yes, EVs have less moving parts, so you would hope 
that that means less wear and tear down the track and maybe longevity. Uh, diagnostics is a big thing here, right? And it can be a little bit difficult um, depending upon the make and model of, of the car, but that whole thing, that area is getting um, easier and there are, as we've covered in a recent episode too, there are EV-specific or EV-trained mechanics. Probably just keep in the back of your mind, uh, depending upon what the health check of a battery like that is like, I mean, it can cost up to $15,000 to replace a battery. So understanding the, the state of it, its health is something important to consider in this process. So there you go, Peter. Um, we hope that answers uh, a little something there for you and, and maybe takes away a little bit of the, the fear around the idea of, of buying a secondhand EV. Next up is Ryan Cohen. He's the man behind the YouTube channel and TikTok page, Ryan's Model Y, which probably doesn't leave much to the imagination, but he knows the Tesla brand inside out. You've probably seen him on your socials before talking about all things Tesla, and his videos may just be the reason that you have a Tesla in your garage right now. Ryan, welcome to What's Under the Bonnet. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, it feels a little bit like the chicken and the egg question, but what came first? the Tesla or your online presence? At what point did you discover this, you know, this hunger for information and videos and this really engaged EV community? Yeah. Interestingly, the Tesla came first and it started off as a hobby to try and document how amazing this car was across social media. And then it started to gain a bit of momentum, much to my surprise. In fact, I never really thought that I'd be in this position where it's now become like my full-time gig to just make Tesla content and EV content. I think Tesla as a brand is always evolving because of the ability to have over-the-air software updates. And that's why I feel like my content continues to be engaging and I'm able to come up with new ideas. So when I'm doing something like a six-month review, which to date has been my most popular long-form video on YouTube, it's great because I can add in all this new information. So there's always surprises from my point of view. And then reading the comments and seeing how the community reacts is also quite surprising. So it's a bit of a pinch myself kind of moment, but yeah, super happy to be here. But you also talk about really super simple things like windscreen wipers, Zoom calls using (laughs) the Tesla interface, yeah, keyless entry and and whether or not to get a wide interior. Like, so it's not always this high tech stuff that I think people associate EVs with. It's really simple stuff too, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think there's so many features built in there that are really simple, but a lot of people aren't aware of them. And as we know, Tesla do not spend any money on advertising or marketing, or they're starting to dabble in it now. But I think that's why content creators like myself can really get out there and help educate people as to some of these really small features that come with the car. Autopilot is a talking point at the moment, naturally. You recently did one, I think, on autopilot function through a forest. (laughs) How'd that go? Yeah, Yeah, so um, I'm lucky to be based in regional Victoria. We've got some beautiful windy roads and it's a really great location to test out autopilot and see what it can and can't do. And again, with those software updates, noticing what improvements might come about, you know, if it's slowing down for certain types of bends, what is it picking up on the camera system? You know, as we know, it's like rubbish bins and witches hats. And so this kind of full self-driving computer and the graphics are coming through on the screen. And so I'm trying my best to document that and also get responses from people within the community as to how they're finding autopilot. But yeah, it's ever evolving and and getting better. I did watch that video and I've got to say there were times when I was like, just put your hands on the steering wheel. It was like, what were the comments that people were saying? I'm assuming like some of your viewers are probably EV enthusiasts, but there's a lot of people learning. I'm thinking, you know, that that seems like a very foreign concept to 
not have your hands on the wheel. Yeah, and there's a lot of understandably fear around such software that would mm. essentially help you drive the car and it is important to make sure your hands are on the wheel and I think I'm guilty of doing that at times while filming. Within my audience, there's people that love EVs and love Tesla and then there's people that are considering buying one and then there's people that really dislike Tesla. So I get this whole mix of responses, which actually helps drive my content, you know, going forward. You know, what am I going to make next time that will appeal to that kind of group of people? What's the craziest, funniest thing that you've done in the whole sort of notion of educating people about the Model Y (laughs) and how how did the audience respond to it? Come on. (laughs) Well, most recently I put beetroot on the white seats. And, um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I did do a test patch before we hit record, <laughs> but it was just to demonstrate how easy that white interior is to clean because so many people won't buy the white because they're worried it will stain. I did that and Elon reposted it and Tesla reposted it and next minute it had a bit of traction online. So that, that to date has probably been, you know, the craziest thing I've done. You might want to repeat that. Elon reposted that. He did, yeah. So that's the second time. Um, <laughs> and I'm really grateful for that because it really, you know, being my full-time job, it really helps. Um, it spikes in all platforms when something like that happens. And uh, yeah, I feel very humbled that Tesla and Elon have, have gone ahead and reposted some of my content. Your community, I'm assuming, is, is, is worldwide. Do you see different things coming from different parts of the world, different questions or different sort of focus? Or, you know, is there a different narrative in different parts of the world around EVs? Absolutely. Recently, we went to California and that was a mind-blowing experience because not only is there superchargers everywhere, there's a whole range of EVs everywhere that we've never seen in Australia. So I had the best time over there, <laughs> as you can imagine. But yeah, there's like, it's super interesting, even with the new Model 3, the US does not have that update yet. We're lucky enough to have it here. So I love when I get those little scoops and we can kind of release content before the US. It's rare, but when it happens, it's very exciting. We know that car clubs are not new, but in the age of social media, there's all sorts of online communities and and, and groups. And we know that Tesla was one of the first to have a very, very strong and loyal car club. Are you a member? Do you get involved? Do you get feedback from the Tesla owners group? Yeah. So recently just joined the Tesla's owners group. So I would recommend everyone check that out. Um, I actually discovered that at the Melbourne EV show that I met you at. This was a club that I didn't even know existed in Australia. It was actually the reason I went over to California was for their owners club. So getting involved in the community is a really amazing thing. And as you said, the EV space is filled with a lot of passion and a lot of like-mindedness. People might really love the environmental aspect or the technology aspect. I mean, there's so much that we could talk about. I mean, you've got a whole podcast on it. So um, yeah, and I think that the community is really important to the work that I do. And uh, I, I like to try and engage. And I'm, you know, now on Facebook and LinkedIn and, you know, connecting with people more and more every day. And it's it's really cool. I'd say, generally speaking, everyone's very positive. It's only when you go across, you know, maybe sometimes TikTok, you'll see quite a bit of negativity and people almost scared about this transition to EVs. It's also about responding to that, you know, not only in the comments, but making follow-up videos that can address some of those concerns. You did join us on stage at the Melbourne EV show for car sales. So, Tell me about some of the things that you learnt there because I know Rusty and I were just like thoroughly engaged. The the audience there was just so engaged and positive and curious. What are some of the things that you got out of those days there? Well, not only meeting people in person, I think is a really important thing, hence why I'm here today in the studio, but 
I think just learning about some of the other brands and the way that they're moving forward and their approaches, you know, Polestar, for example, has a very different approach to Tesla. And so I think for me, I've started to try and understand what other brands are doing. So the Melbourne EV show was a great location to just get a taste of what everyone's exploring, even when it comes to home charging and things like that. So yeah, I loved that event. What's the vibe like in some of those Tesla Owners Club meetups. I mean, are they serious, fun, loud, educational, raft of different I, people there? <laughs> yeah. I have not been to a meetup. I've done a couple of my own, which which has been amazing just to, again, give back to the community and kind of get everyone meeting up and talking about what accessories work and their favourite features. That's always fun. But yeah, now that I've just joined the Tesla's Owners Club, uh, I would like to, yeah, go along to some of their events. Um, mm. They're doing Great things actually work in tandem with Tesla at times, so that's a really great benefit. So, yeah, looking forward to joining those in the future. There's always been the feeling that the Tesla drivers were the early adopters and the diehard sort of real tech people. Yep. Do you think that's still the case or has Tesla sort of captured a, a different market now, a broader market of buyers? I think it is still the case, but to your second point, it's getting so broad now. I mean, you just have to drive around Melbourne and see how many Teslas there are on the road from, yeah, it's just very diverse as to who's driving these cars. I know they're popular with Uber drivers now. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think it's fascinating to see the growth that the brand has experienced from my personal take that's why I got excited by Tesla was the technology. I used to work for Apple and I was seeing what Tesla was doing. And, you know, Apple's got this approach of thinking differently. And I could see that Tesla was on the same path. I mean, they're building out their charging network in Australia before they're even bringing out their cars. What's going on here? And so, yeah, I started to take note of what they were doing. And that is what continues to excite me about the brand is the level of software integration and they're basically like a Silicon Valley startup. They just happen to make cars. Have you been surprised at the thirst for this sort of stuff? That that you know how eager people have been for these sorts of videos and information, and and have you been surprised at, at how many people have wanted to know you know more about this stuff? I touched on this earlier, but Tesla not doing advertising and marketing, I think, has really helped. They're cars at the end of the day, so. They're different, but they're not that different. So I think there's always this intrigue as to like, what am I going to notice as a driver in the differences of these cars? And so I think that, yes, it did surprise me how much traction some of my content gained. But, you know, now looking back, it makes sense. I started in 2021 when this real push for EVs was just ramping up. And, you know, we were all waving at each other. If you saw another Tesla on the road, you were waving. So, I mean, there was obviously early adopters, Model S original owners in Australia. But at the time I got my Model 3, it still felt like there was a lot of education to still go around. And there still is today. There's so much misinformation, for example. So, yeah, I'm excited to just, I feel like I'm not slowing down. I'm just going to keep putting out content and addressing those questions as they come up. I think what you just touched on there about, Tesla not really participating in much marketing or or PR even Mm. in the Australian market really does put the onus back on. I think they've always thought of their drivers as their their brand advocates, essentially, and that seems to be exactly what's happened. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's such an exciting product to talk about, you know, like the light show feature, for example, you you go and meet someone and you want to show them this feature. And so they're very smart. I feel like they think about those marketing things within the car and they know that people are going to talk about them. And then there's content creators like me that just love putting out content on all those amazing features. We're shameless plug time. Where can people find you? <laughs> and, what, and what is next for you? What's in the pipeline? Well, I think a focus on longer form content 
is really important for me, um, getting stuck into some other brands, as I mentioned before. I'm always going to be really passionate about Tesla, but it's cool to open up to what other brands are doing. And that's really beneficial to the community that's, you know, searching up different brands. They want to know what the differences are. And some people might not want the tech side of a Tesla. They might be more interested in a Polestar or, you know, a Hyundai. There's so many different offerings out there. So if I can over the next year start to encompass some of those different offerings, I think that's really important. And then, uh, yeah, I'll continue to come back to that TikTok, Instagram, vertical content, snappy kind of space at the same time. Are we going to see the, the broader parts of your life around your, I know that you are, you know, an environmentalist and you care about technology and we're mm. going to see that in your home automation. Is that, that kind of stuff happening as well? That's the plan. Yeah. So um, we're in the process of building a house. Um, so we want to integrate, obviously, some of those things you've just mentioned, you know, solar batteries. I think that's a whole new avenue and I'm excited to to go through that process. And now that I'm lucky enough to have an audience, I'll, I'll do that really passionately. Ryan, remind us again, where can people find your content? So, my handle is Ryan's Model Y. So if you punch that into Google, you'll see TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all of these things come up. So I am trying to spread myself across the different platforms. So yeah, if you're interested in getting to know more about some of the technology that's built into these cars, I would love for you to follow along and shoot me a message. I'm always happy to engage in the community. Hopefully we can catch up with you at the next iteration of the EV show. It's been great to have that live experience with you and for you to, uh, you know, for us to get you into the studio today and to share a bit more about it. Good luck with the journey. Thank you so much. And I absolutely love listening to your podcast. You're doing an amazing job. So I'm really honoured to be on here. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. We will talk to you again, I am sure. (laughs) Thanks. We're going to run out of time here. That is it for this edition of What's Under the Bonnet. I feel like we've had next level guests today, quality frontline people in the EV community. I love, and it just speaks to that whole community vibe that people are coming from all different directions. They're banding together to help each other. They're learning from each other and they're all taking these steps slowly together. And I really love that. Look at you. We've been recording this in the lead up to school holidays. You've been hanging around your kids too much. Mum, the vibe, the vibe. (laughs) How's the vibe? Now, speaking of the vibe, we would love you to tune in for the What Report as well. That'll be releasing in the coming weeks. Keep an eye on notifications for that from all of us. We hope you've had a, uh, a great Christmas with your family and all the very best for 2024. Listener.